This is the only show, I swear to God, where I never had to do an intro. And now that Tim's gone, I have to do an intro. And I don't want to do the same. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls of all ages, you're invited to the first ever Kate and Joel call it in the ring board. We'll be going through this week in wrestling. Is that your best Jeff Hawkins impression? Yeah, it might be. It might have accidentally been. But this is the first and last episode because, Joel, the opening graphic still has Tim's name on it. I thought about that. I thought we got rid of that jobber. (laughs) So you know what's even funnier? Is that next week... Tim's back with me because Tim and I are going to Montreal to cover Elimination Chamber for Fightful. <laughs> News to me. Uh, which part? <laughs> the part where you're getting bumped again? Yeah, the part where I'm getting kicked off of just became my show. I guess you're involved, but my show. <laughs> <laughs> 151 episodes later and it's your damn show. That's it. That's it. Taking over. Oh my god. Kate, how are you? I'm pretty good. I, um... I like I had a head cold all week and it's finally kicked itself out of here. And my sweet little doggo who's been on a, a heartworm treatment, she's kind of turned a corner where I think she's doing a little bit better. So it was like kind of a stressful week, but good, good now. How are you doing, Joel? Good. My, uh, my, my kid got sick last Sunday. So we had an entire week of like, I got sick. My partner got sick. I got over it, but I didn't fully get over it. Now I'm almost completely over it, even though I still sound a little congested, but I swear to God, I'm not. Um, And he's fine. So like, we can go back to like going out and like being around other kids again and doing like playtime with other kids. And I don't feel weird because my kid was sick. So it's good. I'm like coming back to normal. And that's Dude, nice. Everyone is sick. If you're not sick with something, you're just not trying hard enough or whatever. It's like true. it's crazy. I think because... Um, people that were compliant with masks uh, around COVID, especially like I think our immune systems took a little bit of a dip and I know mine did cause I had COVID like eight times. So uh, <laughs> I think everybody's just sick with something, either a head cold or a sinus infection or, or whatever, but I'm glad you're on the mend. I'm on the mend. This is our inaugural one of these. And as much as I bust your balls and I do, and you give it right back to me, which I appreciate. I'm I'm so excited to get to to do a weekly show with you. I, I really am pumped. I think this is going to be such a fun, fun venture. And I do so many post shows, but I don't do anything from a higher level. So I'm I'm really excited about that part. Yeah, this was one of the things where when Kate and I were talking about how we transitioned him out and moved Kate in, we were kind of like, nothing should change because the the whole benefit of this show is that it's a Sunday. And like, we're just talking about the weekend wrestling. We're not going in depth. There's plenty of shows on a plethora of channels, including Fightful, that do that stuff. Oh, those Fightful marks, though, God. I mean, they put me on Thursdays, and they're just like, this guy. Have you (laughs) You seen that chick on Tuesday? She's out of her mind. Awful. Oh, my God. She's singing songs. Glasses and doing voices. Nobody likes that. What a nerd. That's right. Who does that? (laughs) But anyway, the point is, if you're here, hi, how you doing? It's good to see you. Chat, hi, it's nice to see you too. Uh, leave us a thumbs up if you're watching the video on youtube.com slash Fightful Overbooked. Uh, leave us a comment if you're after the fact, because that's always cool. We like to hear your feedback. Even the dork last week who was like, you guys are boring. Okay. Someone <laughs> during the Friday stream was telling me to talk less and <laughs> to fix my volume. And I'm like, buddy, I've never hit a block button so fast. I'm like, hey, can I customize the way you run your post show? <laughs> like, let me be your producer. Uh, let me uh, 
Could, could you talk a little bit? No, I talk a lot. I laugh a lot. Get over it. It's who I am. We have I'm fun. so excited to be here. I'm, I'm, I'm pumped. I'm feeling good. As you mentioned, there's a big sports event happening later. Yep. Some, some very large bowl of some sort. I, I was, know. I was, I was told that it involves an owl. So I assume that Impact from 2018 is coming back, and they're bringing back the Big <laughs> Owl for a big event for Impact. <laughs> And I'm an impact guy, so I guess I have to cover that show whenever it's happening. Oh, man. Yeah. You're, do, you're doubling down today. Yes, let's go early. Well, double down with us. You can send us a super chat if you want. Support us here at Fightful Overbooked. If you haven't already subbed to the channel, that would be great. We can do that. And we have an Overbooked Discord. Don't tell Sean Ross Sapp. He doesn't know about it, but there's a link in the description <laughs> of the video. It's also on, like, every single time I post a link on the website for this show like the link is there too and it's, uh, just letting you know that there's there is a discord for all the people who are like hey we should have a fightful discord and i'm like uh, sucks for you <laughs> i try uh hey cyclops is better than logan kicks us off with some bits over on what are we twitch.tv slash fightful discord <laughs> i founded that channel and i don't remember i was gonna say didn't you start it bro Twitch.tv slash Fightful Gaming. Send us your biddies. I say it all the time. Thank you. Bad news. MJF will sign them. He will, actually. <laughs> well, no, he'll, he'll turn around and walk away. Uh, anyway, Cyclops better than Logan says, bad news. I got a letter saying I've been drafted to war. The great AEW WWE war. LOL. God Thoughts bless you. Thoughts and prayers, buddy. <laughs> and Ryan Sullivan saying, damn it, I was hoping for a Joel and Joel pod. Yo, some week where nobody's available, you have to do that. I don't know how, but a Joel and Joel call it in the ring. Is there another Joel that does wrestling stuff that people know about? Like, drop their name in the chat because, like, that's that would it. be amazing. Like, even just an April Fool's Day pop, I'm I'm here for it. Oh, I'd be all over. You're that. already kicking me out next week, so I'm, <laughs> I might as well. Well, like, at one point, you could do like when Joe Holbert was doing stuff. You could get Joe and Joel, but you know. Oh my gosh, I would, especially before I was at Fightful, but I started following Fightful content, and Joe, and Joe was here. The amount of times I would almost accidentally tag one of you two for the other. Constant. constant. So that happens. I just got rid of my English <laughs> accent just to make sure everyone understood we are not the same. And you, now you also are Joe Gacy, so it's like, pick a, which, which L optional, I'm just gonna say. Whichever one gets me paid. <laughs> there it is. There, there it is. is. Tuesday nights, Joe Gacy. <laughs> and then every other night, Joe Holbert. Wait, no, that's not wait. Right. <laughs> money on my own, damn it. That's um, right. We should probably talk about wrestling, shouldn't we? You want to talk about the NWA? <laughs> no. Uh, <laughs> I feel as though we probably should, but I don't, do. I want to is is a different question. You know, it's a. I I've been trying to kind of pull back on the NWA sucks because there's a lot of really great talent there, but their title picture is an absolute joke. Like there's no doubt about that. And uh, I feel like when you have such an established legacy type of brand, and then this is your main event picture, like no one's going to really care about the mid and undercard or like the women's division, which has been built pretty well, even though they took the women's pay-per-view away. So I, I just feel like, um, I don't know. I, I try not to like S word on it too much anymore, but it's, I will absolutely S word on what's happening in the main event picture because it's just ridiculous. But, um, 
Wow. Whoever the Fightful overbooked mod is today, uh, burying me. I also miss Tim. I'm just putting it out there. I may or may not be the Fightful overbooked mod. Anyway, uh, no, <laughs> we love Kate. Come on. Come on. I was trying to fave it, bro. I was trying to help you out. No, never. I'll admit when I say my things. You um, know what? Next week, I'm not even showing up. That's, that's it. Fine. It's fine. I, I got another guy. I got to I gotta share a hotel with him for the next three <laughs> nights. Is that Thursday, Friday, Saturday? Yeah, exactly. There, yeah. He's he's taking the train in like a schlub, and I am not. I am taking a flight like a regular human being. What anyway. Um. Yeah, so... I watched part of the show last night. I thank God got to see the the match with Homicide and Sign was not good. Uh, the funniest part of the of the match was when Sion had Homicide in like this rear naked chin lock and was like going to choke him out, and then took a mic and was like, "Apologize to my father. Apologize to my father." And Homicide eventually is just like, "Your father's a little bitch." <laughs> And then they, the rest of the match goes through and like homicide loses, whatever. I don't care. But like that moment alone was good enough for me. Uh, then the Camille and Angelina love match was actually a lot of fun. I'm not the biggest Angelina love fan. I'm not. I've, I've said this a million times. Camille from when she won the NWA women's championship to now is like night and day. She is incredible. Um, it's like she's the leaps and bounds ahead of where she started. Uh, the match she had was good. It was actually really good. Um, but again, then you get to the main event and you're just like, what is this? It was overbooked nightmarish garbage. Uh, and both men were heels. Cardona and Tyrus were both heels, but for some reason they're trying to babyface Tyrus, but they're not at the same time. And then they do a whole like beat everybody beats down Tyrus, and then two refs get not two refs, the same ref gets bumped twice, and then everyone gets involved for Cardona and beats down Tyrus. They use the to twelve pounds of gold, and now they call it because Tyrus is so fat they had to make a bigger belt for him. That's the only reason they call it twelve pounds of gold. And um, yeah, they 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 do a beat down. And then Tyrus wins LOL with like a single Tongan death grip choke slam, which admittedly is a much better finisher for him than any other move he's tried. Um, so I'll say that. But he's still the t- champion. And next is Bully Ray. Yeah. So I'm actually very much with you. I feel like Angelina Love is not always the most for me, but she does at least, um, you know, is, is serviceable enough that she can put on a pretty decent match. And to your point, Camille has really, really grown. Um, I think she got more acclimated to what her strengths were and she's just leaned into those super heavily to kind of better form her, I hate saying move set because it's not a video game, but, no, but, but she, but it is a move set because it's part of your repertoire. Like it is, that's it. It is a move set. It is a move set. And she, um, I think with women's wrestling, it can be really challenging because it, it feels like when you are kind of like, a stronger powerhouse woman. Um, like just realistically, you work with so many wrestlers that are smaller than you that I think the the natural inclination is probably like the very unnatural thing that happens in wrestling of I'm supposed to look like I'm hurting you real bad, but I don't want to actually hurt you real bad. So yeah. uh, she has just seems to have gotten a lot more comfortable. I feel like her storytelling in the ring has come along a really, really long way. Um, so I'm I'm very happy for that. I feel like one of the more productive things that they've had is, is Camille's title reign because I think the belt has helped make her in a lot of ways. Yeah. Um, and Angelina Love was was a perfectly formidable dance partner for that. Um, 
I don't know if they have anybody that is like, who are you logically handing it off to? That being said, I'm not like the closest follower of the NWA product. So it's very possible that they're like building someone that I'm not as keyed in on, but it doesn't feel like I've heard or seen anything that indicates like that's the gal. And that's the thing. Every time Camille has a title defense right now, there is an air of like, is this it? But it's becoming less, is this it because it's time. It's becoming more of like, is this it because Camille's leaving soon? You know? Right. And I think a lot of people are waiting to see what her next move is going to be because honestly, the smartest thing that ever happened to Camille was being put with Nick Aldis. And that really gave her uh, a big leg up, not only being more visible on their TV program, but also I'm sure that Aldis, you know, imparted some knowledge because he is a serviceable wrestler as well. He's been around the horn. He knows how to do it. Uh, and I see Mod Mike in the chat mentioning Renegade Twins won the women's tag titles. I thought that was great. I'm so excited to see them continue to evolve and become much more well-rounded as a tag team. What did you think of that? I think that's a great move. Um, and to close the loop on on Camille and you bringing up Nick Aldis, it was kind of funny because I feel like there's a few reigns in all of wrestling, not just NWA, but Nick Aldis's is a great example of like long reigns are great. You got to pay it off in a way that makes sense. So like having an end game is important. I think that's the case with Jade Cargill. I think that's the case with Bianca Belair. I think it was the case with Nick Aldis and I wasn't like super stoked about seeing a Trevor Murdoch payoff. So like the, the more you invest in, a title reign, the bigger the payoff kind of should be. I like long title reigns. I don't like long title reigns that outstay their welcome. And I think we might be getting into that territory a little bit. I think we definitely did with Nick Aldis. So it's kind of funny that you brought him up as someone who could maybe have been such a helping hand in navigating. Um, but overall, like the the Renegade Twins winning, I think is awesome. I think it's a good career step for them. I think that's great. Um there's just not like a lot of well-booked women's tag pictures across literally any American television company. Like you are way more tuned in with impact than I am. But from what I've seen, even like, I love the knockouts, but the tag picture can be a little muddy. The WWE wants a mess and AEW has kind of cohesive tag stories, but they don't actually have a division. So, um, you know, I, I think it makes sense to go to a place that has a division keep working, keep learning how to gel together, continue down this path. Um, I, I think they're an exciting team. I think it's super fun. So hopefully they have uh, a productive plan laid out. Cause I would like for any American televised wrestling promotion to have a good women's tag division. That would be neat. <laughs> so I mentioned, you know, or you mentioned impact and uh, death dolls are a team that have been together in some way, shape or form for the last few years. So for them to be the knockouts world tag team champions makes sense. Uh, unfortunately impact continues to run into the same problem. Every other company does, which is we're going to take two singles competitors. We're going to team them up and then they're either going to coexist and win, or they're not going to coexist and they're going to break up. Uh, like when they brought in the, uh, the iconics, which they became the inspiration. Uh, that was probably the last time that impact had like an actual team hold the women's tag titles, the knockouts tag titles. Uh, other than that, it's just been team after team. The Hex just made their debut in Impact this past week on the show. Yes. And I think that's a really cool opportunity to have another team that is actually a team and not just two random people. Plus, you have a little bit of backstory because 
you had Allison Kay, who used to be known as Sienna in Impact, and when she was in TNA, a former Knockouts champion in her own right. And Marty Bell also had time in Impact as uh, the, the a member of the Dollhouse. So there is some storytelling to be done, and there's at least a, at least one more team that's come over to Impact to uh, to be part of the Knockouts tag division. But otherwise, yeah, it's it's tough to see women tag teams kind of show up and not do much. It's tough. Yeah. It's like you said, there's like this either frenemy story. It's like, can they coexist? And they do, or they don't. Um, But eventually it feels like they all don't in some way. So I'm, I'm with you on that. I love, I love the hex. I think they work so well together. I've been pushing for months for a support hex worker shirt. I think they should do it. I think that would be super, super fun, but I love both of them as individual competitors and together. I think they, they just, they hit that rare sweet spot to me of um, having very individual personalities, but having cohesive enough pieces of each other that it really works and you can really buy into them kind of more as a unit. So very happy to see that, but very happy for the Renegade twins. This, this feels like a logical step in their progression and I'm, I'm excited to see what happens. And then the main event, uh, you know, Tyrus is 49. Bully Ray is 51. I don't even want to get into ages, to be honest. I don't because there are people. Action Mike Jackson is 71 years old and running the ropes. Like, (laughs) there's a different. I don't care about age. I care about how well you've kept yourself during your time in the ring or out of the ring. I. because this used to be the thing in, in WWE, in the WWF, and then later the WWE, where like after 35, like you're done. But that's not the case anymore. Now there are guys and girls who are well past that age who are in like the prime of their careers. 49 is still okay. It just Tyrus is not good at anything. No, he's not good at anything in pro wrestling. And the only reason I even bring up the ages is when you do get to a certain point, um, you should be established enough and good enough that you're the value of you, unless it's a dream match, right? That you are helping the younger talent move up the card with your status. Like in AEW, what they attempt to do with Chris Jericho is use his decades long career and his establishment in the business attempt to do, I didn't say successful at it, but attempt to do is to help like, Hey, if you're not near a title picture, but we still want you at the top of the card, you're kind of going through Chris Jericho. And that that's a good use of someone who's in the 50 year old mark when you're facing someone else who is that age. And also you haven't built up enough equity in this industry for that to be successful. Nobody's calling for a bully Ray and Tyrus match. No one's like, that's a dream match. So this is just, I feel like a misuse of some of the really great talent in WA not getting a shot. If you're going to have a champion who is like closing in on 50 years old, you would hope that they would at least have the value and the experience to help move people along. But in this case, uh, Tyrus isn't good at anything. So he's not. And then you put him in with bully Ray. I mean, bully had a really solid match with Josh Alexander because it was a plunder match. Okay. The hard to kill match. Nobody, wanted it to be a a straight up wrestling match and i get that and i didn't either but i mean i'm gonna put over bully ray because his storytelling and his ability to get i know i know it's such a meme to get heat he was actually like aces at that heat that's heat but yeah i just I, i gotta put him over for that, for his impact run up until what he's doing now, I call it busting open island because it's literally him, <laughs> him, Tommy Dreamer, and Mickey like doing 
stuff all surrounded by like busted open like yeah anyway I, that's their own thing on impact exhibition dave lagreca <laughs> and, and i like busted open and i like david sure LaGreca. of course no but i just like it's like cody island when it was when he was in AEW. it was very much on its own completely separate from the rest of the show and i'm like why is your knockouts champion currently not having a knockout story outside of like masha slamovich is number one contender and she gets a title match in like less than two weeks uh what are we doing there's no there's the storytelling isn't on par with what they're telling with like bully and mickey james um that being said bully and nwa he's playing a baby face and yeah, it's, weird. it's very weird and he's about to have a match with tyrus and like i don't think there's any way that you can save that unless you put a third person in there who's not trevor murdoch it's gonna be easy three isn't it I mean, I don't know how much better that makes things, but it is kind of a weird situation where it feels like they think that Tyrus is a baby face because we moved on from this heel Cardona situation to now a heel Bully Ray situation. At your point, Bully Ray is not like my favorite dude. Um, like in the Dudley boys for me, like I got into wrestling so late that I was just kind of like, Oh, the table guys, you know, <laughs> like it wasn't, I didn't have like the same attachment, but you'd have to be deaf, dumb and blind to not like realize the reactions that that guy gets in the ring, all the respect to that in the world. But like, I don't know. Um, I think they think Tyrus is a face and that's a problem because um, there's not really any part of him that is, but there's not any part of them that reads to me as a champion either. So I, they're seeing something that I am not, but to the level I'm not, it makes me want to tune out of the product. Well, what's even stranger is that, and this is the last point I think we need to make because otherwise I'm going to make my head explode talking about the NWA for longer than 10 minutes. <laughs> uh, with Tyrus, so they do the promo after the show with Bully Ray putting over Tyrus and me like, everybody here now has to respect you because you overcame this huge, these odds and blah, blah, blah. And Tyrus basically no sold it and was like, all these people can kiss my ass. And like, people were still booing. And I don't know what... what what were we trying to accomplish with this promo? Were we trying to babyface Tyrus or was it bully was trying to be the over babyface who puts over the champion and says, I want to crack next to your title. And then Tyrus is like, you know, GFY, what are we doing? Like, what is the point of this? I don't know. And I feel like if somebody is going by bully Ray, you can't really like babyface them. They're literally named bully. Um, so it's, it's tough. I guess maybe, you could do like the badass baby face, like GFY kind of thing, but I don't think he has the ability to walk that line that closely. Cardona should have won the title. I, that I agree with that. I agree with, but you also have to want to continue to do business somewhere. So who knows? Who knows? And honestly, like Nubinko is talking in the chat, like EC3 did sign a deal with NWA. He could very well be the guy to dethrone tires. And I, I sure. at that point, fine by me. At least I can watch an EC3 match and not audibly wince every time something happens because it, it was EC3 who didn't catch Kevin Kylie, but it was also Kevin Kylie who decided to give himself a concussion jumping off top rope. Oh, and he tried so hard to sell, man. EC3 tried so hard to sell, and it was just like Alex Riley just didn't didn't hit. That's that's also a bummer when I say like that. I I wish that um you know the the undercard and the mid card were getting a little bit more love, like the things that come out of your pay-per-view are that Alex Riley botch and people talking about how bad the main event is like 
when I hear things of Billy Corgan saying like interest is up 500%, I'm like, well, how do you define interest? Like that bums me out. Cause there's a lot of really good wrestlers over there that just aren't getting the love that I feel like they deserve. But you are also right in that we've been talking about the NWA for way too long. I will end it with this. Did you hear Will Washington's take on the, uh, the 500% comment? I don't think I did. It's very simple. And I think he was absolutely on the nose. Um, if you have 10 people watching your show paying monthly on fights and then you move to free YouTube and suddenly 5,000 people are watching your show because it's there and available and free, then yeah, you can absolutely justify the numbers. That being said, well, that, that's not a direct 500% comparison, but the point is you get there because the numbers of the fight must've been so bad that moving to free YouTube was good enough. Very well could be, very well could be, but it's also, it makes me laugh because sometimes like if you're going by engagement, like definitely more people are talking about your product than they were, but like, what are they saying? I believe is something that should still matter. <laughs> Ninja Mortis being like, I heard five GFYZ hanging out with Jericho. I was, I, I'm like <laughs> trying not to drop too many F-bombs. I'm trying not to swear too much. Uh, not because of a monetization thing, but honestly, just because I don't, I, I don't know. I, I want to be a little more minivan friendly. That's a lie. I don't care. A little more minivan friendly. I like that. It's also, you know, it's not, it's not 11 o'clock on a Friday here. We're doing a nice little mid-afternoon pre-Super Bowl Sunday, easy breezy drive show for you. So true. Hey, I said S word instead of swearing earlier. So there you go. We're, we're, we're censoring ourselves. When we're back <laughs> to Sundays at 8 p.m., all bets are off. Just foul mouth. Just dicks and balls and everything, just for y'all. Dicks uh, and balls and everything. We got a new name for the show. <laughs> I thought that was the Tuesday show. <laughs> I mean, we usually have a blue chew read over there, but those jerks need to start sponsoring this channel. That's what they need. That's right. Uh, do you want to talk about <laughs> Monday night or do you want to talk about Friday night? Uh, you know what? You're steering the ship. You get to choose. All right, let's shift it to Raw, and then we can do SmackDown afterwards. Usually by like a certain time, I like to uh, hit the the main thumbnail topic. So uh, let's, okay. let's let's talk about Raw. So you had the main event. We had the the steel cage match with Becky and Bailey, um, and Lita decided to get involved. First of all, how do you feel about the cage match? It finally happened. Oh my god! All the outrage is over. It finally happened. We had our cage match. No more Triple H hates the women, right? Uh, and and Lita came back. So, I'm still outraged. Uh, well, <laughs> you're always outraged. You literally do a show with a guy who's outraged about everything, not including, I don't know. Oh, but we will do Dynamite, by the way. We just kind of saved that for a little later. No, I, uh, I thought a lot of that match was good, but as much as I love Lita, and I do, um, I don't love how directly she affected the ending of the match. Uh, I, I don't know where this program is going. My guess it's it's damage control versus Becky Lita and Trish uh, in, in, in Canada, right? Like that would be a huge thing. Um, but I just didn't love the feud had gotten so personal between Becky and Bailey over the past few months. They're like, yelling about Becky's husband in the middle of the match. Like this is between the two of them. So I didn't like love Lita being the one to have such a determining factor in the outcome. I also felt like if she was going to be there. That also just makes you look extremely silly for not doing this at raw 30 because <laughs> like that was the show where we were having legends come back. Um, 
But I'm I'm glad it finally happened. I'm glad it was in the main event slot. I think they tried to make do. And I don't even mind um, Lita showing up and interfering. I just don't like how directly she affected the outcome because it had been such a personal rivalry. And, um, you know, the, I feel like the blow-off should have been one of them putting the other away fully. I'll also say that I feel like this is just for me. I understand, like, in the landscape of wrestling, having... Lita come back is always a huge thing. I feel like there's such an opportunity with Becky to try and even up the numbers game that you could have used talent that you already have or NXT talent in a slot to, to come in just because I feel like that's a really, really valuable way to introduce someone. It's like if Becky Lynch handpicked you to fight damage control, that means something to me. Like Piper Niven is my heavy is like a great way of like, holy crap, this woman is back. And it's not any Eva Marie silliness could have had Alba fire in that slot. You could have had a, a really fun way to like put Nikki cross in though. She, I think is maybe <laughs> messing around with the way or something, but I, I think there's a really valuable thing you could do from a product perspective. Of course, if you're going to have Trish Stratus and, and Lita, which I'm assuming is what's going to happen um, kind of fill in that slot. That, that's a great business decision. That's a really fun thing for the fans. Just my preference as a wrestling fan is that that slot could be used in a more valuable way. There's another side of it too, where back when Raw was in Toronto back in September, there was that opening segment where Damage Control confronted Trish, and Trish basically said to Bailey, "Just as fast as I'm retired, I can be unretired and have one more match." There's that. If they call back to that. It'll be it'll kind of bring a lot more sense to doing the six woman tag in certain ways, um, but it's mania season and there is a certain amount of nostalgia that you got to play into. And for Becky and Trish, I mean, sorry for, for uh, Trish and Lita, I should say, uh, Lita had a great match in Saudi Arabia last year with Lita, um, with with Becky. Oh my God, the red hair is just killing me. <laughs> it's the same woman, just different. With hair. Becky Hardy, yeah, no. <laughs> This is gonna bug me all day. Anyway, and then and then with Trish, like every time Trish shows up, she she does quite well for herself, and it, and it's a fun experience. Raw is in uh, your neck of the woods. Actually, they're gonna be at Barclays this coming Monday. So to bring out Trish for that crowd, I think would be a really really fun time and a really big pop. Now, I I want to echo kind of what you said. Um, <clears throat> excuse me, that Lita was absolutely supposed to come out for the original cage match at raw 30 yes that's what put them in a really weird situation having to make this cage match the main event on monday because that finish is very much a like end of the first hour finish knowing that we're going to be setting up more next week and like no one would have been upset if they had just found a way to retell that story at raw 30 but they want to have a legitimate cage match as well so there was something someone just made a, a bad judgment call at raw 30 moving things around and then we did this because people started complaining and here we are the cage match was the biggest match this past monday on raw therefore it should be in the main event match it should be the, the final match of the night um but then of course now everyone's talking about how lita showed up and it kind of made things a little less than <laughs> <laughs> yeah it's a little tricky because it was like you needed the carryover context of exactly what you said but uh i i also appreciate that they don't go to Canada as often as they're in the United States. Right. So like to do a legends callback um, with, with Lita and Trish, I don't think we've seen like Lita and Trish together in the ring in a really long time. Right. So um, Been a rumble, at least. 
Yeah. So, and that wasn't even like super direct. So I feel like, um, like for a Canadian crowd to, to get that moment, it's like, I understand that Canadian crowds aren't subjected to not subjected to that's the wrong word, but like, they don't, um, they don't get as many shows there and they definitely don't get as many like legend shows there. So that's a, that's an awesome pop for, for them. I, it's just my preference as a wrestling fan. Sure. But like, we're on the road to WrestleMania. You're going to Canada. Perfectly serviceable program. Yeah, it's not taking up a WrestleMania match. It's going to be a Hell in a Cell, not Hell in a Cell. Elimination Chamber is honestly, it's very much a one match show. And then the other two matches that are in the chamber are kind of like they're there, but no one thinks Austin Theory is going to lose that US championship, nope. especially with John Cena potentially on the horizon. And most people have kind of risen to the idea that Asuka and Bianca is the Raw Women's Championship match at WrestleMania. I'm Personally, I'm a fan of that. I would love to see it. This new Asuka has something that would bring a lot out of Bianca's character, potentially, and also force Bianca to carry the load in terms of promo. Um, how do you feel about uh, about Asuka and really the Elimination Chamber as a whole? Because there was the, the four-woman match, uh, four-way qualifier on Raw. Yeah, I think absolutely Asuka's the the right choice. My only thing is I kind of wish that the programs were reversed. I really wanted to see Rhea Ripley and uh, Bianca. And I really thought this version of Asuka coming for revenge against Charlotte Flair could be such a fun program from five years ago. Uh, I, I just thought that both of those seemed like great calls. I feel like this is like a switch up in a way that isn't as refreshing as I was hoped. That being said, Rhea Ripley and Charlotte put on incredible matches in the ring. I was, I forget which one it was because they have faced each other a few times already, but um, there was a match where they just completely turned the crowd who was chanting at them. I, f I forget what it was. This is boring or whatever. They had just come out of something that wasn't great. And by the end of it, absolutely cheers huge reactions captivated so excited for that and i think ria and bianca or i'm sorry bianca and asuka could be a really fun combination like you said this is going to be definitely different world i think it'll go better than the alexa bliss being in a different world stuff because that never seemed to have any clarity around it um but i do i do think it'll be a good challenge and Asuka's so incredible in the ring that mixed with bianca's strength and ability and athleticism like that's also a home run. I just feel like you might've had grand slams the other way. <laughs> there was a spot last night on the NWA show. I have to, I have to point this out. They did Angelina love grabbed Camille's hair and was doing a, an STF choking her with her hair, with her ponytail. I need Oscar to do that to Bianca Belair. That's 100%. a hundred percent. Someone needs to use it. Cause I know you never use the hair, but for this spot, I need a choke with the hair. And I think that would go over really well. Yeah, and they, they've used it a lot better on the main roster than in NXT. I feel like it was too much of a crutch. But, like, when she whipped Sasha with it, that was incredible. When Bailey was wrapping it around the ropes, like, as long as you're doing it in a smart way and it doesn't seem like Bianca's the only one who realizes it can be a weapon and they do it all the time, I, I think it can be super, super effective. That feels, like, so in line with this character of Asuka. I... I I think you're 100% right with that. Piper Niven, Carmella, Candice LeRae, Michi and Mia Yim have a four-way Elimination Chamber match, Elimination Chamber qualifier match. Why are there so many words? <laughs> Why? <laughs> Why? And ECQ. Uh, Carmella. It's ECQ, Elimination Chamber <laughs> qualifier. 
I'll watch that one. Uh, Mela gets the win. She's back, and she's back to being the Princess Satin Island. She doesn't have to dye her hair every week anymore. Uh, how do you feel about that? Piper Niven also looking strong. Uh, really, all four women looking strong in the match. Uh, Piper Niven definitely making an impact, especially afterwards when she was saying, you know, she has her eyes on the Raw Women's Championship. I thought this was really strong. I thought all four of them looked really good in it. If I was booking it, I would have had Piper Niven go over here, but I just really like Piper Niven. Carmella coming back. She just got back. You want to make her look strong. You want to make her feel important on the show again. Makes perfect sense. I did love that after the match, they went out of their way to make Piper Niven feel important. I think it's a healthy sign. I think it's a good indicator. I don't think we've seen Nia Jax outside of that Rumble appearance, so I don't know what her status is, but I do feel like you have Raquel on SmackDown. You have Piper Niven here. It's their turn to shine. They are both capable of doing all the things you wanted Nia Jax to be able to do. And in my opinion, they do it in a way that I connect with more. So I do think uh, like a one-off appearance for Nia is great or maybe limited appearances, but Piper Niven is really, really great. And now that she's back, I'm glad that even though she didn't win this match, there seems to be an emphasis on her and a story developing. So that that made me really happy. Yeah, they're doing something where they're actually developing a story for the women that isn't just about the title. And and the title's there, it's underlying, but they're doing something that's not just like, you know, the, the top women having matches. You got three damn hours. You should be able to. Psychos <laughs> <laughs> uh, better than Logan with the bits, by the way. Fightful is on twitch.tv slash Fightful Gaming. Uh, says, I think Bianca beating Charlotte at WrestleMania is a better story. I wanted to beat every horsewoman at Mania. Absolutely, yes. So I talked about this after the Royal Rumble. No, after War Games, when Bianca and Becky were on the dais at the press conference and someone asked, what do you want to do next? And Bianca said, I want to beat every horsewoman. Charlotte, you're next. And Becky said, I want to be the first woman to win, win two Royal Rumbles. And I'm sitting there like, that's how you get there. That's it. That's, that's how you do it. <laughs> Very simple. You got Charlotte, who at the, who could have won the Elimination Chamber, who didn't win the SmackDown Women's Championship. Should have had Charlotte come back, win the Elimination Chamber, and do Bianca and Charlotte. And then you could have Becky win the Royal Rumble for the second time, challenge Ronda Rousey and do that match. And then everything fell to shit because nobody wanted to work with Ronda Rousey anymore. <laughs> it seems that way. I, I try to be as fair as I can with that stuff. Like I, I feel like Ronda Rousey delivers pretty good matches when she's within someone, when she's with in the ring with someone who is a close to her ring style or B has the experience that she doesn't have. Like she's pretty good when you're in there with one of the four horsewomen because they have that ring general role and Ronda Rousey doesn't have that ability yet. So when you put her in there with someone like no offense to, to a Shotzi Blackheart or um, a Liv Morgan, like they're just, you know, the four horsewomen got like a five year head start. I feel like on a, a lot of the people that are there right now are 10 years. So um, I, I did feel like that's a big part of it is Ronda Rousey was suddenly in a position where she, had to lead instead of following matches. Her match with Raquel that ended her reign was actually pretty good. I'm kind of intrigued to see where this thing with Shayna goes. I feel like that should make sense on paper. Um, but I, I do feel like you were like leading to Ronda and Becky and then you weren't. And then Charlotte winning the championship, I think was a bit of a surprise in general. So I'm excited for the mania matches that they do have. It doesn't look like we're going to get a four horse women match anytime soon. So 
I'm sure Sasha, would she, won't she come back, played into all of this a little bit. I, I think the programming they came up with is pretty good. It's just uh, caught me by surprise, and I think might have caught them by surprise, too. <laughs> Maybe next year they'll do the, the four horse women. Maybe next year. Maybe next year. They're saving it for next WrestleMania. Uh, we'll find out. <laughs> Brock Lesnar's back. He wants Bobby Lashley. Um, I didn't hate the promo. I thought it was just kind of bringing Brock out just to bring Brock out. And I think that the best part about all this is the potential to, at the Elimination Chamber, set up the reformation of her business 2.0, whatever the hell they're going to call it. Um, what I really don't want to see is Brock Lesnar being the shit out of all four men in the month of February. <laughs> I don't want to see them doing that ever, never mind in the month of February, but Cedric Alexander as too good for this. Like there, there's Sheldon Benjamin is too good to get the crap kicked out of him on the way, but there's um, a story there too, by the way, like with Shelton and, and Brock, of course, consider, yeah. right. And, the, and they've, made the references before but now they actually could potentially tell that story in full i like that i think that could be really fun i also think that there's ways to do programming without that but that's probably what they're gonna do because they are not necessarily the most inventive people in the world when it comes to brock lesnar booking and i kind of almost get it it's like when you see that guy coming and doing an f5 the crowd goes crazy it looks insane brock is a freak of nature why why would you go out of your way to complicate it more? But I, I just really like everybody involved in the Hurt Business. So I'd like to get them to see them shine, especially if you are going to reunite them. Like, I don't want the first thing they do to beat a job out here. Also would love to see Cedric and Shelton like firmly in the title picture if those tag titles split. Um, or even if they don't, I feel like they're such a good tag team. I don't want them to get eaten to shreds by Brock and then look like they have no credibility. But um, Shelton, or I'm sorry, Brock Lesnar and Bobby Lashley having like an actual build to a match, I think is really, really good. Their matches are awesome when we've seen them. And um, I don't know, Brock, when he is in the ring with a big boy that he likes to, <laughs> to mess around with, he's more enthused. He's more into the story. I feel like he is excited to be facing someone that also isn't Roman Reigns, just like we are. So I'm, I'm looking very, very forward to that. When do you most think about Bobby Lashley? Um, Usually after like, I don't know, like five to six hours of sex. Yeah, you too. For me, it's yeah, when yeah, it's yeah. hour. It's just like, it's just like this thought bubble in my head over here. Yes, that's right. I hear Leo Rush's voice. It's just like Lashley, Lashley. <laughs> yeah, that's the, that's the answer right there. Uh, and then before we get into the main, the main meat of the topic, Edge and Beth Phoenix. Um, they're going to have a match at Elimination Chamber, a mixed match challenge against Dom and Rhea Ripley. Uh, not Dom, sorry, Finn Balor and Rhea Ripley. Dom would have been too perfect for this, but uh, we're not going to do that. What do we think? What, what do we think of the, the grit couple coming back for one last run in Canada? I, I actually really like it. I really like it. If it was Dominic, I don't think I would be as into it. Um just because I feel like there's a lot of really strong work that can be done with these pairings. I'm also so intrigued to find out what happens. Cause after this match, I think you're going to have a very difficult time keeping Rhea Ripley heel and keeping Charlotte flair face because, um, Rhea is just kind of one of those heels that you're like, 
I cool. boo because you're a heel, but you're a badass and I really like you. And Charlotte is, to me right now at least, hey, you're a face because we're genuinely excited you're back. The SmackDown division needed someone of your your caliber, um, but they're going to be ready to turn on her. And I feel like when Rhea comes over, there's no shot. She's staying face. So I hope they have the sense to kind of double turn them in the process. I don't think it has to be done in a match or in one promo. I think you can pretty organically lean into what's there and make it that way. Um, so I, I look forward to that. As far as this mixed tag match, they kind of promised us Rhea and, and Beth. So I, I, with that chair shot stuff <laughs> and what happened at Rumble, I'm excited to see them have it. I would have preferred a solo match, but I'm not going to bark at getting to see Edge and Finn Balor in the ring either. Like, that's a bunch of fun. So another fun, cheap Canadian pop for all you Northerners. <laughs> here's, here's my big question. Does Rhea Ripley pin Edge or Beth to win the Ooh. match? I feel like the Venom is with Beth. So probably her still. But, but maybe she maybe. she takes out Edge to make that happen and like yeah. throws Finn Balor on top of her or something. I don't know. I think I think she takes out Edge somehow, but still pins Beth because they might want to. If if Rhea wins, they might want to run that back as like a fun SummerSlam thing or or whatever. But maybe I don't know. I feel like this. I don't know what will happen. I feel like this will be the last time Edge and Beth do a thing together. But who knows? Maybe, maybe they'll hit us with an Instagram post of the two of them playing grab ass and being like, this was fun, but no more. <laughs> I mean, even as a solo match though, I feel like there's still money in Aria and Beth solo match for sure. There's money in the universal undisputed heavyweight championship chase. There's I money in Shane McMahon's entrance. There is here it comes. Um, <laughs> By the way, get your super chats in if you want to support us here because we like you. And your thumbs up if you haven't already done the thing. Um, here's so here's do the, thing. the thing. Do, do the, the thing. thing. Do, do sorry. the thumbs up. Yes. Paul Heyman, this week alone, absolutely sold both <laughs> men as credible challengers to Roman Reigns. Do you agree? Do you disagree? I see you shaking your head. No, that that head shake was in disbelief of how good that man is at his job. That was not a I disagree. Okay. Um, so do you want to start with Cody and then go to Sammy, or do you, and then we can talk about uh, some SmackDown a bit? Sure. I I do want to say that I feel like they still have a a tightrope to walk. That I'm nervous about how they're going to walk it. Uh, but what they did on Monday kind of brought some relief to me. I think you still don't want Cody Rhodes and Sami Zayn in the same ring. I think you don't want to be doing like six man tags up until mania, but the story that Cody and Heyman both told was so good. I feel like I learned that my dad is a better dad than Dusty Rhodes. My dad likes me better than Roman Reigns to my knowledge. So shout out to that, but it felt so real and organic in a way that a lot of programming isn't my only complaint and it's a minor one is i don't need a so what do you guys want to talk about every time he comes out the facade makes me want to puke a little bit but when they got into the meat of it man i was like this is the first time in a really long time and part of it is just because allegedly cody rhodes was injured i didn't know that um but this was Wait, the first time when did this happen yeah, so remember when he came out with that purple Sharpie all like over his arm and his chest against Seth Rollins in the in the cage? I thought that was a tribute to Prince and he was doing Purple Rain. 
That's what I thought too. I was like, oh, cool Prince tribute. And then he was like, he flew off like a dove, I guess. I don't know. Um, but allegedly something was up with his peck. Allegedly. Um, but this is the first time we got to see Cody do what he's really good at in a really long time. His uh, feud with Seth was pretty good. He won all three times. So that's kind of weird. Um, but this was the best promo he gave, in my opinion, that he got back t- since he got back to WWE. His return promo was pretty good, I thought. A lot of people found it polarizing. Um, I kind of found it somewhere in the middle where I was like, oh, yeah, this is all right. Uh, <laughs> but I, uh, I I thought this was like the heart at what, of what Cody Rhodes does really well. And then Paul Heyman felt like a really genuine reaction when he was like, I wasn't expecting you to come out here with all of that. That felt very real to me. Um, and, and him twisting everything I thought was really great. Way better than Sean. Oh, hi, Sean Rossap. Hi. Hey. How you hey. doing? Do I have the right mic on? You do. You do. Yeah, I never know. No, I never so, know. What are we talking about right now? We're actually talking about Paul and Cody. Yeah. What do you guys want to talk about? No, no. <laughs> <laughs> wait, wait, wait. We're talking about Paul and Cody, that promo that I had like a big report on this week on FightfulSelect.com. That one? <laughs> we are. I was actually just talking about how authentic their reactions seemed. So if you want to break your own paywall, we can. Yeah, I mean, it's been, it's been a few days. Um, <laughs> but I mean... I, it's so funny because a lot of people looked at the Cody Rhodes post-WrestleMania promo and they're like, oh, unscripted, pal. He probably even said that. It was not unscripted. In fact, I saw the script. I physically <laughs> saw every word scripted. And plane uh, tickets. You see it all. You see right. it all. I mean, I mean, I don't know if I've shown you all, but yes, I have seen those too. Um, but anyway... I specifically asked this week because based on the emotions that I saw there, I'm like, hey, are they writing their own stuff? What's going on here? And I was told, yeah, they're both writing their own stuff. And then I was also told, well, I don't know if Paul ever really knew exactly how much that ECW run meant to the Rhodes family. And that was that was something that was very important for Cody to let Paul know the way that I <laughs> the way that I said it on uh, on. I think it was maybe listing your boy was that Cody Rhodes placed the silverware for Paul Heyman to stab him with. Like he set this table <laughs> for Paul nice. Heyman and Paul Heyman's like, no, I used to book new Jack. I'm going to stab you with a fork, buddy. Sorry. <laughs> like it was, it was really, really incredible. And it actually, so I, I post the fightful wrestling weekly every week for tier two members of select. And some people are like, Oh, it's just a rehash of what you posted. Yeah, it is. But I sneak little lines in there that I've heard since publication. And one of those lines that I was able to find out was that there was like an immediate backstage reaction to this. Like there were a lot of people, there, there were some people that were like, man, how will this go for Cody? I mean, they were confident in him, but it, like developing a main event that has the level of emotion compared to the main event that you're going to be at to see live in about a week, Joel is a tall task and they felt like both of these guys really really did a lot to make that happen somebody's asking me to bring a cat on screen all right yeah super chat for those requests my friend come on i heard i heard a little meowing i saw him walk around 
Hello. Oh, hi, that's buddy. Melvin. He just wants up here to bite my earbuds, though. Like that's it. That's really all he cares about. I think I've only gotten to see Oliver. He will about. almost definitely try to get my earbuds out. Yeah. <laughs> Melvin, pay attention to me. Melvin is clearly my doing. Well, I think they have a really clear path to both stories right now, which is great. I think they have to still be very careful how they walk that line so that the crowd doesn't turn on Cody. But someone asked me this the other day and I was like, if they are going to turn on Cody, well, darn it. That's a situation he's awful familiar with, right? He was getting booed and he was lighting his body on fire in AEW in that Homelander-esque role. So I feel like if they do turn on him, he knows what to do with it. I, I think he's certainly armed to handle that reaction. It kind of just feels like the same thing as we saw with Danielson and uh, Batista, right? Like Cody Rhodes just isn't Sami Zayn, but I think they did a lot of work on Monday to prevent that from being the case. Listen, uh, here's the big difference between WWE and AEW. I hear a lot of people talking about people turning on each other and nobody gets turned on in AEW. Brian Danielson talks about flaccid penises backstage all the time. (laughs) Nobody's being turned on in AEW. And that's the big difference. That's why we're in the middle of a war. That's why they truly hate each other. Yeah. You got to pick your sides now. I was going to say, actually, the smartest thing that's going on right now is Cody had released his February schedule on his Twitter and noticeably absent is next Saturday's elimination chamber. He's going to be at raw in Ottawa the next night. Uh, But like, two things first of all i think if if they keep them off the chamber pay-per-view perfect do that it's very well, much about the 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 story with sammy and roman the other thing i need to see is will they for one night only have somebody from canada become cody's canadian nightmare like they're gonna be like cody you're the canadian nightmare for tonight tra la 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 here's all the merch and they'll sell it out yeah well i mean they're Canada also won't allow him into the country. I know we've talked a lot about the crimes of others, but the crime of, of familiarizing us with QT Marshall. Um, <laughs> of course. I'm of just, course. yeah, I'm just kidding. Actually, I think QT Marshall's an excellent worker and a, a fantastic performer. Cause see, if I say one or the other, he'll yell at me for being like, of course I am. I'm a great performer too. Oh well, yeah, he is. Great fashion sense. He's, well. he's a, okay. I don't want to go that far. <laughs> he's a great, he's a great trainer too. Um, yeah, there you go. He's trained a lot of people. I really like, but also yeah. like, Hey, Fabe, Sean, come on. Yeah, I know. <laughs> Quote I know. tweet Marshall over there. Gonna he is, he is. He's been. So the thing that I thought was very funny is the time when he, I posted this you and it was him following me. And he's like, yeah, I was told to. And everybody thought that AEW legitimately told people to follow me. Like, (laughs) uh, nobody ever asked the question, what purpose does this serve? (laughs) Yeah. So it was, it's funny because the people that absolutely hate me, which are, are, are a plenty will latch on to things like that and Grayson Waller and be like, we got him. We got him. <laughs> Grayson Waller, that guy who did an interview with Sean Ross Sapp less than two weeks ago. He hates him. He hates, he hates him. him. He used like the eighth best insult that Twitter trolls use. <laughs> calling he's going to start. Rossin. He's going to start calling me a thigh rubber next. Like that's, that's what's... <laughs> I thought he already did on Tuesday, but I guess I don't pay attention to the Did he? Did he? I don't remember anymore. Okay. (laughs) Well, guys, it's been nice. Goodbye. Enjoy the Super Bowl. 
as much as he can because his team got booted. <laughs> That's two Bengals fans and two nights showing up on a stream I'm hosting. So <laughs> the show with Jeff Hawkins last night, by the way, go check it out. They're trying to distract about, themselves. Yeah, we were talking about the history of the Elimination Chamber. That was a fun show, actually. Him and I had a good time. That's uh, awesome. That's yeah. awesome. And then we would like tangented out into like a million other things. Uh, but go check that out. It's on Fightful Overbooked. Uh, where were we? We we're talking about uh, Cody and, and, and what's his face? Paul Heyman. And then. And, and what's his face? Yeah. What's I mean, face? just fantastic work. I hope that they calculate the rest of this roads to WrestleMania super, super well. Cause it, it can work really, really well. Especially like Kevin Owens, Sami Zayn, and the Usos. They know what they're doing, right? Yeah. Never mind Paul Heyman at the helm. And I got to say, like, Paul Heyman has been the one that's kind of in charge of this bloodline stuff from everything that we've heard, right? And I think he's knocking it out of the park. And you look at his track record, Sam Punk, Brock Lesnar, Roman Reigns, they're the three longest reigning champions in WWE. He knows what he's doing out there, so... Um, and Ryback and, and Curtis Axel and I mean the the, the real legends, the uh, those, real legends. Yeah, they're the ones that really matter. But but you're right. Like it's true. When you give him something to sink his teeth into, Paul Heyman's absolutely going to go full bore, and that's what he's done. But what I love is that, like I said, from Monday through till Friday, they just made both stories that are coming in the next couple of weeks. They made them like A and A one stories. No one is saying, you know, oh, what about if. Uh, people are more into Sammy than Cody. And what if Cody's more into it, it, Nobody's people who are still asking that question. I have serious doubts that they're legitimately paying attention and they're not just having outrage fits for the sake of engagement. Or We're in a war, Joel. Yeah, I know. Got your war right here. Anyway, <laughs> but Heyman did a really good job of making both men equal. And that's what you need, especially because you got two shows. They're making Raw and SmackDown actually seem like two legitimate competitors going after that one title right now, and no one has to pick one or the other. They do feel equal, and you also can't underestimate all of the work that Cody Rhodes has done for equality as well. In these stories. Who told me? Someone told me in a super chat last night that Dom and Cody should have a match. For the uh, for the WWE Championship, and okay. I said Cody would absolutely appeal to Dominic's Latino heritage. <laughs> <laughs> but more than anything, one I, of the two of them has to because the, <laughs> how much that Dom is paying by not being able to do a six one nine ain't great. And then also, I, I I posited that I think once the smoke is cleared and Cody, and I'm talking smoke because like. The pyro go off. No, the pyro that they're going to use to smoke out the entire city of Inglewood, California, when Cody wins the title. That once that clears in like I don't know three to four months, Carrying uh, Cross will probably be the first major challenger for that title. I think it's a shame that no one's going to be able to see and actually watch the match because of all the smoke that's going to be there from the pyro. Because I think it'll be a really great really great story and a really great match to have. Uh, here's, here's the thing. So I know you, you kind of say it in jest, but I will say as much Cody when presented with a challenge will find a way to get the opponent over. And I think cross being put in Cody's way, Cody will try to bring some legitimacy to the carrying cross store the carrying cross character. And I think there's something there. It'll be very comic booky. It'll be very character driven, but it's the perfect first foil for Cody to step over, essentially. I'm intrigued to see 
where the Cody Reigns, we the Cody Reigns, the Cody Rhodes reign goes, kind of assuming that he's winning. So, like, we aren't. Sam Roberts over here. I, I, they've done weirder stuff. They've done weirder stuff. Um, I do think he does. He at least wins one of the titles. I feel like he should win the title. Um, I at this point kind of love the idea of the Usos having to lose both titles because I feel like if something's got to unravel, having two titles in those situations is actually a really good thing um, because the it's just a more painful death when you have to drop two titles along the way. The undoing of Kenny Omega when he was the belt collector, for example, it makes it such a, oh, what a what a downfall of a journey. But um, Karrion Cross, I feel like the presentation with him and Charlotte has been more cohesive at least. I've, I have been in the Pulaski camp of feeling like you have a motorcycle bad, badass and a hot witch. Like, what did the two of them do together that we can see on television at least? But now with like... Very good looking people. That I was, yeah, you know, like, you he's, he's got his hair back. It's, you, it's a crazy thing. Did you read the one interview? Sorry to cut you off. Did you read the one interview where Cross said, uh, until we got the call from Triple H, we were planning to start a family? And then when Hunter said, hey, will you come back and work for us? We said, well, we'll put that on hold for a little while. Triple H is the best contraceptive out there. They <laughs> Got to timestamp that one at the 101 and a half mark about. Uh, I, <laughs> I do think... Uh... I do uh, think that that has come a long way. Like using the tarot cards is kind of a fun thing to reveal your opponent. I just haven't seen anything in ring wise yet that makes me be like, that's the that's the top star that Triple H does see in him yet. Um, I do think his match with Drew in Saudi Arabia, I think it was, was probably the best match he's had since he's been back. The Rey Mysterio one, it felt like, Everyone was a little off, but come to find out Rey Mysterio was injured, so it's kind of tough to judge off of. Um, you know, maybe Madcap Moss, your favorite, would be a <laughs> formidable next opponent. The tricky thing is I feel like a, a grand slam would have been like, man, Seth Rollins. Right there. That's that's the guy. That's that As I hit my own microphone, that's the guy right there. That's the guy. Look at that. That's it. Uh, I, I feel like Seth Rollins would have been such a great, like, always feels at the top of the card, not near a title picture of a guy for him to face, but he already beat him three times. So I, I don't know where you go after that. But, um, you know, I feel like Gunther is an obvious one. <laughs> the Mossverse. That's not the Crossverse and the Mossverse. Oh, yeah. There it is. Back when Solo won the North American Championship. Back when titles were men. We had plans back then. Wow. Uh, Dan Lambert can never with uh, with Matt Cat Moss's belt collection. See, here's the thing. I would love to be in the Discord that night. I will be at the show uh, cheering my face off. Uh, I don't even know if I get tickets for that show. Anyway. (laughs) Talk about that one afterwards. Yeah, just give me what I want, Triple H. So, oh man! Anyway, uh, there seems like an obvious one. Assuming that he drops sometime in the near future, drops that IC belt. Uh, I really want to see Legato versus Imperium as a unit, but I think 
um, Gunther's been built so well. They kind of had like this really special thing unfolding in Royal Rumble. Like that feels like a great next possible challenger for Cody as well. We have a few minutes left and I said, we talk a little bit about AEW. So let's hit a few things on the head. Where do you want to start? You want to start with MJF and then talk about uh, Brian Danielson? Sure. We can do that. MJF crashes car getting roadhead. How do you feel? (laughs) (laughs) That's your setup. Go ahead. Glad he's okay. Good for that, dude. Um, you think it happened? Anyway, sorry. I called the police department to find out. <laughs> you and like 400 other people. <laughs> Allegedly. And then everyone, I love that. Uh, who was it? Someone from um, ESPN reached out to the to the, the police station and basically debunked the story that some Facebook dickhead put out there. Come on. Yes. and, and someone, Let, let oh, it live. One person was like, dude, kayfabe. But then another guy was like, no, I got nothing better to do with your time. And he was just like, yeah, I'm working on a book and I cover for ESPN all day. I had nothing better to do, but I needed to work the story. (laughs) (laughs) It's like, bravo. Well played. Very well played. Uh, I I really liked the promo. My only thing, and it's kind of a, I want to say it's a minor gripe because it does have some emotional weight behind it that I think maybe should have been paid attention to. Like, I don't know if two weeks after losing Jay Briscoe doing a fictional car crash accident was the best call. That was just what was on my mind. A lot of people said, I didn't even think about it. So maybe I'm just still carrying that around a little bit more. But if you're going to go make up a story, I think maybe picking up, uh, assuming that the police don't reveal anything that we don't know about, I think picking something else might have been a better way to go. But I really like promos that discuss the defining characteristics of like defining moments in a character's life. I prefer when they're real life stories, but he makes it feel real enough that this works of like, I behave the way I do because of this specific thing that happened. Him also under the guise that that was adversity. (laughs) Like obviously facing a car crash is, but like what he did about it is not. Um, I love that, like, in the face of adversity, I'm a manipulative little piece of shit, is a really, really fun juxtaposition for me as a fan. Um, I, I really thought it was a lot of fun. I really liked it. I prefer promos like this more than I do kind of the, hey, your local town and your sports team suck and you're all fat and smell bad. I think you still need those for live ones because um, it's just the type of heel he is. So that that works, but like these more layered promos that we've been getting from him, I think are really, really good. I think it's a pretty predictable result coming up, but I've actually enjoyed this whole story. Danielson putting on incredible matches week over week on my screen. Hello, it's all I've been asking for since the beginning of this Jericho feud. So uh, I, I've actually really liked this trajectory. I know some people haven't, but I think some people are looking for things not to like because the outcome is kind of inevitable. But I, I think what more do you want other than Brian Danielson having incredible matches every week on your television, this leading to Danielson's coast, if not hometown, at least. And we also have this nice sub story building out with Takeshita that has been, I think super, super fun. So I feel like it's actually been an incredibly efficient use of the title and, and some stories around that championship picture. Yeah, I'm a he fan. is still ducking Sean Dean, though, as I am contracted to say. Well, of course, that's that's just kind of what MJF does: ducks Sean Dean at every at every turn. Um, meanwhile, what I was hoping was going to happen with the Americans and Dragonson, Bryanson, Danielson, the Americanial Dragonson. 
Oh, is that what you guys call him? Yeah, yeah, yeah. the American annual dragons. This is what we're running with. When we kept calling him Daniel Bryan, we realized if we just add son to everything, we'll remember the name. Oh, I like that. Danielson Bryanson. Yeah, so now he's the he's the the Americanson Dragonson, Bryanson Danielson. Anyway, Americanson Danielson Bryanson Dragonson. No, not so much. Chant beautiful chant. My hope, and I thought we were getting towards this, was that every match Brian Danielson had was going to be longer than the last so that he can basically build. It would be like this thing where only if you're, you know, doing the stopwatch thing, would you realize that, you know, Danielson has had, uh, it was a 10 minute match one week, 15 minute match next week, 20 and 30. And like the match with Rouge felt like it went a lot longer than it did. But at one point I was like, I was hoping he was going to do a 45 minute match and just be like, I'm going to beat your ass MJF. But that's not what we're doing. Instead, we're gonna do uh, we're gonna do the sixty minutes. I think we're gonna do more than sixty minutes. I think they'll do a draw. I already think that that Danielson went to TK and was like, "Okay, we're gonna go sixty, but it's gonna be a draw." And TK is gonna be like, "Well, then what? Then we're gonna go sixty more." Because and- AEW pay per views aren't long enough. We've been talking about this for a really long time. It's worse than that because they're on the West Coast this time, so they can go longer because they're starting so early that they can get away with it. People on the East Coast can go suck a big one, and that's just how we're, <laughs> we're stuck with it. That's just what we're going to do. Uh, I, I'm looking forward to the match. I, again, the outcome is not at all in doubt for me. Uh, you got a, a fresh MJF winning that title. He's got to make it big, get to double or nothing, where he faces CM Punk, obviously. <laughs> <laughs> You little Esther. (laughs) (sighs) And meanwhile, Roosh, I love one thing I love about Roosh. Whenever Roosh does a job or two, he always gets a title match out of it afterwards. So Roosh drops the fall to Danielson. He has the match on Dynamite next week against Mox and Claudio. He is absolutely going to win that match, and he is absolutely going to get the Ring of Honor championship match against Claudio. It's going to be Claudio and Roosh. Let's go. I'm into it. Uh, I, I love Roosh. What a little wrecking ball that guy comes in as. How do you feel about the fact that... Uh, that he doesn't do jobs? No, 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 no. Oh, no, sorry, that, my bad. Um, I don't want to bring this up because it's a sensitive topic. I don't know if you noticed, but they were bleeding. I hope they bleed more. <laughs> Artists should always be told what to do and what not to do. I'm firmly in belief that pro wrestlers are artists. I feel like more musicians need to be told what notes not to play. I feel like movies yes. need to be made. Yes. I, have uh, some, I have something even more controversial than blood. What? There's something more controversial than blood? A Damn. woman bleeding? Couldn't be. <laughs> no, that happens every 30 days. It's fine. Uh, <laughs> it's stable's turn. I get to say it to the women now. Uh, <laughs> we have new AEW Tag Team Champions. Their names are the Gun. Bye. Brothers. Great to see you. This was fun. It's a good night, wasn't it? See ya. Yeah, I know you don't want to talk about it, but here we are. Whenever there's a new champion, Look, you got to talk about it. If I can make it through Tyrus talk, I can make it through the Gun Club talk. You think you can? I think it's fine. I think it's going to FTR. I think there's so much backstory with the guns that you can, even the stupid photo they took with the, uh, it's going to FTR. I don't care. I still think it stinks. 
that's fine. And it's going to be a squash and FTR is going to come in, beat them, make them look like ass boys again. And it'll be a comedy spot at the pay-per-view because we all know that Brian and MJF are going 90 minutes. Champion gun club is just ass boys with pretty hardware. Okay. They didn't prove anything to me. I don't like it. I, I, I gotta make it incredibly clear. I understand it. Everyone who wants to tell me otherwise, like, no, no, no. But d- have you noticed that there's a story that's been building since the summer? Yeah, I'm not an idiot. Um, so <laughs> it's not that I don't get it. It's that I don't like it. Uh, I I feel like a transitional championship reign to Butcher and the Blade to Silver and Reynolds. Like, can't buy a minute of TV time, man. And they're so good. Like, I feel like there's so many more productive uses of transitional tag teams that you have right there that could have been really fun stories. Are we kidding? Like the acclaimed versus the dark order. That would have been all sorts of silly, the best friends versus the acclaimed. That would have been all sorts of silly fun. I think you could do so many better programs. I understand that FTR is likely coming back to dethrone them, etc. cetera. Uh, but I do feel as though I, there's so many other people I would have rather have seen even in a transitional role uh, for for that very reason. Like I, I, The fact that the guns held the titles before Santana and Ortiz is something I'll never be able to reconcile. But my other biggest issue is that the other tag team that you're featuring, and it's a it's a it's mostly a bit at this point, but I have no interest in Jeff Jarrett and Jay Lethal at all. Um, and I don't have an interest in the guns, and you have an incredible tag division, so when I'm seeing the guitar smashing fetish man and Jay Lethal and I'm seeing the guns now win and then the acclaimed, the hottest tag team in the world who just got dethroned, you're going to take all that momentum and it looks like on Rampage, you're going to start a feud with Jay Lethal and Jeff Jarrett. What are you doing? Like all of the momentum of having the hottest tag team in the world the productive use of that is going to Jay Lethal and Jeff Jarrett in the program? Come on. What are we doing? You got to get Jeff Jarrett a little something to thank him for bringing the House Rules shows. The guns versus Lethal and Jarrett and stupidity and a pole match. I don't like any of it. I feel like it's a waste of the acclaims momentum and... Uh, I don't know if they're going to stay white hot forever because that's just the way wrestling goes sometimes. Like people might get tired of raps and whatever. Like people aren't white hot forever. So when you're striking while the iron is hot with Jeff Jarrett and Jay Lethal, when there's so many other tag teams that would be great, it ain't for me. And, And to have that on TV once a week and then the gun clubs on TV, I'm like, you have so many really great tag teams and these ain't it. Well, we had another really great tag team this week, and that's you and I, Kate. We did it. We did it. I wanted to keep it under a certain time. So it's I'm the week. second best Tim out there. You are the second best Tim out there. I appreciate you. Uh, <laughs> you've been bumped. Next week, Tim will be back to talk about Elimination Chamber. Because it's been fun, guys. Sorry. Uh, sorry. Let's, uh, let's get the plugs. Get out of here, Kate Stardust. Sure, you can follow me at Miss Kate Fabe on Twitter and TikTok and Kate Grams on Instagram. Where I'm posting pictures of me and Sean Dean and his IBMJF shirt. You can also find me on Fightful YouTube every Tuesday and Friday on the main channel. Wednesdays at the Mark Order podcast at Mark Order on Twitter. And 
Behind the Paywall, Monday is joining Sour Graps for the Raw Review as well as Pay-Per-View Post Shows and Joel. Because it's not a long enough plug. I'm returning to Excite Wrestling Commentary at the beginning of March. First Saturday of March, I will be there. And you know who's on the card? Bobby Fish. You know who's going to make a bunch yeah. of jokes about it? Bobby Me. Fish. On I'm commentary. Good. I'm excited. Can you make age jokes? Just be really bad about it, please. Oh, I'm gonna be. I'm gonna. I'm gonna be making. I'm gonna be like, this is a bare knuckles match, isn't it? No. Oh, all right. <laughs> Let's know about edibles. Uh, you want to watch NFL? No, I'm not gonna watch the Super Bowl. Sorry. Uh, Anthem's putting on a big show. I heard. Uh, let's get out of here. Uh, Fightful Overbooked. Subscribe to us every single day. We drop content sometimes more than once a day. It's weird. I don't know what's going on. Uh, what else is going on? Oh my God. Uh, what's going on? You do the Impact Show with Crest the it's Star. Thursdays on the main channel. Crest and I break down Impact Wrestling after the show goes off the air. We also do the pay-per-views, whatever it is. Let's talk about that. And, uh, you know, just go at Joel Pearl. That's where I am. You find me all there. I do a show now with Ella J called The Run Sheet. That's a non-affiliated show. So please go find that wherever you find your podcasts. Podcasts? Why not? At The Run Sheet Pod. That yes. is the stable of Sean's cats. The podcasts. I'm at Joel Pearl, J-O-E-L-P-E-A-R-L. Ladies, gentlemen, friends beyond the binary. We'll see you in the next one. Cheers.